That is Greek artist Lena Platanos. The album is called Gallop. You're on Isad Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday Simpoesi streaming to you from the Gerigo land of the Eora Nation. My name is Ira and I am just about to start a call to choreographer Mara Glass, who is about to premiere her new contemporary dance work, Let Them Be Messy, as part of the March Dance Festival. Let Them Be Messy explores the suppression of female condition and imagines what may happen in a hypothetical matriarchal society where women are afforded same right as men. Mara, good morning. Do we have you on the line with us? Good morning, Ira. Good morning. How is your morning so far? And what are your mornings usually like? Are you a morning kind of person? Do ideas tend to come and shimmer in the morning? I am very much not a morning person. I like to enjoy my sleep in. Um, but I do get some of my best ideas in the shower. So in the I will morning? wake up. Yes, in the morning. I will I wake up, I'm tired, I get in the shower, I have a lot of thinking to do and then I'll go and jot them down as soon as I get out of the shower and then get on with my day. Mm. Now you're bringing us into your process straight away and methodology of working and lots of dancers, maybe surprisingly to some, actually do have journals and write and read a lot as part of their yes. practice. And reading is certainly something that is part of this work, uh, which has been inspired by some texts. So maybe we can jump into that straight away. Yeah. Um, so... As part of my master's dissertation that I'm currently doing, um, I basically set about reading as much as I could to prepare myself for my dissertation, but also to inspire me for this work. So um, I started with a few texts, um, one that's called We Should All Be Feminists by Chimamande Ngozi Adichie. Um, where she talks about her experience growing up as someone who identifies as a feminist in uh, Lagos, Nigeria, and her experience of, of people basically telling her that being a feminist is a bad thing and that you shouldn't want to be a feminist. Um, and then I also looked at works from Mary Beard, who did a piece called uh, Women and Power, um, and also Ursula K. Le Guin's the ones who walk away from a mailer. So lots of different source material um, coming into this work. Mm. And then you read, you extract some sections that inspires maybe some writing. How does it work from there on, from the point of reading? Yes. I So again, I coming back to journaling, I do a lot of note-taking and trying to pull out things from texts that stand out to me. So from reading a bunch of different things um, and pulling out the different ideas, I sort of, the culmination of that was that we haven't allowed women from in childhood especially to be uh, messy, essentially, which is where the title of the work comes from, that very early on they're expected to be more mature than the male counterparts, more put together, less angry, less emotional, um, and that I think that sort of stunts the way that women behave in society. Mm. When we say less emotional, it's a particular kinds of emotion that we are speaking about, because as a woman, you can certainly cry. <laughs> that's something Absolutely. that men are not expected to do. Uh, but yes. uh, to be angry and, uh, you know, highly energetic or anything like that, that's the emotion that we are addressing here. Is that right? Yes. Yes, very much so. 
And you do want to create work that uh, is uh, feminist in a way that does not alienate any of the public. And maybe now we tapped into that with saying that uh, feminism actually benefits everyone because there are emotions that men can't express due to this patriarchal society yes. as well. Yes, I think from, again, having watched and read a lot of things about the feminist debate, the argument from men often seems to be that they also have it worse because we know that male suicide rates are much higher than women's um, and therefore they must have it as bad as we do. But in actual fact, that's another thing that comes from this patriarchal society is that they're taught that they shouldn't express their emotions like sadness, grief, depression, and that leads them to be isolated um, negatively, right? And so I think if we unpack that and we create a space where men are able to also authentically be themselves without feeling emasculated, that feminism does benefit them in that way. Mm. And in developing this work, which is, as we said, called Let Them Be Messy, you're exploring uh, the female experience framed in a hypothetical matriarchal society where these equalities exist. So could you describe what this hypothetical matriarchal society feels and looks like? How are you imagining it to be? Yeah. Um, so essentially in this matriarchal society that I've sort of very hypothetically set up it's ruled by uh, Greek goddess Hestia who is the goddess of the hearth and she's one of those Greek goddesses that um, is sort of overlooked in my opinion but her main um, sort of appeal is that she's in the the home of each house in the hearth and that to me felt very motherly and I identified with that I thought that was quite lovely so I think um, she's she's sort of in charge of the society, if you will. But it's important to me that in this society, it's not just an inverse of the power structures that we see in patriarchy. I think it's really hard to conceptualize what that might look like because all we have are the power structures that we have today. Um, so I went and looked at a, at a few matriarchal societies that currently exist in the world or have existed, mostly uh, tribal nations um, in third world countries primarily but you know um lots of different places and lots of different ways that that those power structures look so in some of them it is just women in charge and in some of them it's split, split equally between men and women um and i think that that's really important to something that we've sort of missed is having women equally in those power positions so in my society it's uh Hestia is in charge but men and women make decisions um, equally and equitably for this society. And I think the thing that, that sets it apart in my mind is that men are raised to respect women the way that we kind of wish that they had been raised in our society and women are raised to know that they can do anything and that they, you know, there's no trying to compete with men, trying to be a man, trying to win your own rights it's all just we're just raised the same and everything happens the same and hopefully in my mind in this hypothetical society that allows us the space to be a little more messy mm. I'm uh, from what you're saying I'm wondering if the piece that you're making has a narrative arc of a sort a plot are you working with the script given that you are imagining this society that has certain parameters I guess Mm. 
I started um, by writing about this society in like a creative writing way. So trying to paint this picture of what it would look like. But that didn't necessarily come through in the narrative of the piece. I used it more as sort of a background building opportunity um, to frame the piece, I think. Mm. So you wouldn't uh, say that the piece has a narrative arc. It's more, it's less literal than that, what you're working with in terms of movement and choreography. Yes, much more sort of abstract, but framed within the lens of matriarchy. Mm. And what are some yeah. of the movements that feel right for this piece? Um, yep, we we start with a sort of opening inspired by um, Greek vases and Greek urns, where they have those beautiful paintings and mural type stylized um, images, and we sort of drew from that to create movement that was very sort of silhouetted, profile, elegant, um, reminiscent of those Greek paintings. Um, and then we go on, some of my dancers have uh, different backgrounds rather than just contemporary dance. So one of them has a training in Indian classical. So we try to draw from some of that and bring some of that into the work. Another one of my dancers has a strong background in Latin and ballroom. And so we've, again, drawn from her experiences there and tried to you know, make it contemporary still, but really showcase the backgrounds that we all bring into our art. Mm. You're yeah. on East Radio 89.7 FM. Uh, we are in conversation with choreographer Mara Glass, and we are talking about uh, their new work called Let Them Be Messy, which is about to premiere as part of this year's March Dance Festival. Mara, in terms of this movement and choreography and all the elements on the stage, I was also curious, uh, how is this sense of messiness conveyed? Is it in disarray in any way, what we are seeing? Um, I think part of it, yes. I have been trying to, rather than over-rehearse, let things just sort of, you know, if mistakes happen, we're trying as much as possible to embrace that and just, whoops, I made a mistake. And it's okay if that happens on the night um, or during, throughout the shows. And then I think there are parts of it that very much are just, you know, move the way that you want to move, whether that's uh, almost imperceptible to the audience or whether that makes the audience uncomfortable, um, trying as much as possible to embrace that so that it doesn't feel like it fits any one box like it's their sort of most natural expression of their own femininity. Mm. And then uh, something that you, uh, similarly to our previous guest, Bonnie Curtis, use in your works, as far as I know, is setar as well as a tool yes. to maybe um, go around this messiness and mistake making. So how does that work within your pieces? And what is the effect yes. that you're looking at? Yes, uh, it's a little tricky because I don't, I don't want to, you know, spoil anything for anyone. Mm. Um, but I do think satire is a really powerful tool to force people to examine their own beliefs. Um, so if you paint something in a certain light and that makes them laugh or it makes them uncomfortable or it makes them um, engage differently than before, I think it can then force them to... Um, be introspective about their own beliefs. So we've got a section um, that, again, without trying to give too much away, is sort of suggesting 
of uh, like sexual encounters, sexual relations, and then turns out that it's actually about like menstruation. And so I wanted the audience to like get really comfortable, be like, yes, I know about this. I understand what's going on here. And then have it flipped on them and be like, actually, it's about a period. And then make them wonder if like if that makes them uncomfortable, why is that? Mm. Um, and make them examine that in themselves. Mm. And this interaction with the audience and the relationship between performance and audience is also something that you are researching and are very interested in. And uh, one of the things that you're looking at is the ways that audience actually can decide how the piece progresses through some of the choices that you're giving them. Can you speak to that a bit? How does that work? Yes, absolutely. So in this work, we've set it up in such a way that the audience has to um, give opinions and uh, make some choices as part of the work and interact directly with the dancers which then influences what the dancers end up doing. Um, so we've got a specific bit where we ask the audience a series of questions. It's a sort of majority rules. And then if the majority believes one thing, then the dancers will perform the next phrase, for example, facing the front or facing the back or laying on the floor. Um, so it affects like where they've set them and then it'll, it can also affect movement quality and how long they do it. Um, and those kinds of things. And that, again, sort of forces the audience to engage more in the work because it, I feel like it almost gives them a sense of performing themselves, mm. which can be uncomfortable. But I think, again, being in that vulnerable space of like, I'm not sure what I'm doing here. I'm not the dancer. I'm not the performer. Um, hopefully will help bring their guard down to engage with the message that I'm trying to send. Mm. And uh, after, at the end of the piece, you also provide a survey of a sort. Is that something that you will do now for the first time or is it something that you've done already and had some found findings from it already? So this is going to be the first time that I've done that sort of post-show survey. Um, it very much came about as part of my research um, for my dissertation because dance research as it is, is quite um, abstract. Research can be embodied research or performative research, but I wanted to have something that was really quantifiable. So see, seeing what how the audience reacts, things that they've taken away, and then being able to have that feedback so that I can look at the effectiveness of what I'm doing and then be able to apply that to future works is sort of the goal with that. You're listening to choreographer Mara Glass here on ESA Radio 89.7 FM. We are talking about the work called Let Them Be Messy, which is about to premiere as part of March Dance Festival. Can you tell us, Mara, where the work will be staged? Uh, it's in Wollongong, I believe, on 24th and 25th of March. Is that correct? That is correct. We have... Uh, one show on the 24th, that's the 7 p.m., and then two shows on the Saturday, the 25th, which is a 2 p.m. matinee and a 7 p.m. evening show. And those will be held at the Phoenix Theatre in Coniston. Is this where you're based in that area? Yes, I am uh, based in Wollongong, and the Phoenix is a lovely local theatre that supports emerging artists. 
And uh, I'm actually uh, also wanting to ask you maybe a bit about your own dance background. How did the, mm-hmm. the whole, um, you know, uh, story of dance come to your life? How old were you? What do you, did you start with? How did it develop and progress? Yeah, really fun question. I When I was a baby, so if we dial right back to sort of 18 months old, just started uh, walking and like standing on furniture. And my mum said that whenever there was music on, I would be bopping around to the music. Um, and then people started to tell her that she should put me into ballet or she should put me into gymnastics, something that would utilize that inherent just sense of rhythm and response to music. And when I was about seven, a friend of mine started taking a jazz class and I begged my mum to go along. And she sort of thought that, yeah, I would go and I would kind of get bored of it and then give up. So I went along to this jazz class. I fell in love with movement uh, and just the joy of dancing and the joy of performing. And my friend quit after about six weeks and I've been there basically ever since so I started with this jazz and then I would watch the older girls doing ballet and I knew that I wanted to get into ballet so I I got put into ballet I did that for oh I don't know many many years did a lot of RAD exams a lot of performances and then when I finished high school I auditioned for a couple of dance universities around Australia ended up going to Queensland University of Technology in Brisbane and doing a bachelor's in dance performance there which is where I really found to came to appreciate contemporary dance and the different movement potential within contemporary dance. Um, and that's where I started also to really choreograph my own works and start to bring my story into it. Um, and then when I moved, or when I finished my degree in Brisbane, I moved to Wollongong to join, um, at the time it's called Ostomir Dance Theatre. And now I think they are Osti Dance and physical theatre or something something along those lines um, where I got to work with amazing choreographers locally in the Illawarra and perform here which was an amazing opportunity um, but then I found from that that instead of being a dancer I definitely wanted to pursue choreography more seriously and be able to help other people feel that sort of empowerment of finding your own movement language and the joy that comes from performing and that sort of brings us to now Mm. and so are you in this piece or as a dancer or is it purely that you're in front of the stage or behind the stage or whatever the frame is the jargon yeah Yeah. for for this work I'm just choreographer Uh, I have four lovely dancers that have volunteered their time for me and do you normally perform in your works is this uh, unusual that you are not in it or is that kind of where you are at at the moment At the moment, I think I'm quite happy to sit back and not perform for a little bit. I think that's uh, just what I need to be able to more objectively view what I'm watching as a choreographer rather than be also performer. Mm. I was also, uh, this is kind of looping back to the very beginning of conversation uh, where Mm -hmm. we spoke about uh, the things that you read. uh, And because I love this writer, Ursula Le Guin, and I haven't heard about this uh, short story that you mentioned uh, that has inspired you, that she wrote, um, can you tell us a bit about this story and what, uh, what, what does she write in it? Yeah. So The Ones Who Walk Away From Amelas is essentially about this beautiful, almost utopian society 
that she's created and she's it's almost like she's trying to sell it to us that such a wonderful thing could exist. So it starts with her describing they're having like a summer festival and there's horses, but they don't need to be like restrained. They're just sort of naturally part of it. And there's music and there's dancing and there's children. Um, but then she wants us to understand that these people aren't happy because they're stupid or dull. Um, they have complex lives, but they just live in such a way that everything works in perfect harmony, which I think is is wonderful. And then, again, she's trying to convince us that, that it's possible to have such a thing. And she goes on to say, well, would you believe me if I told you, or would it make it more believable if I told you that in this wonderful, amazing society of Amelas, that somewhere in a basement there's just a child that is locked up and isn't allowed to see sunlight, isn't allowed to leave this room. Um, and the people of Amelas know that this child exists in this basement and they just kind of accept that that's the sacrifice that has to happen for them to live in such a society. Um, and then at the very end of the story, it's only about five pages long, so very quite readable. At the end of the story, she says, every now and then there are people who go and see this child that's locked up in a basement and they decide to walk away mm -hmm. from Amelas, deciding that it's not worth them staying despite the utopia that they have to sacrifice this child to have that and they're the, the ones who decide to walk away. And that's essentially the short story and I think it's, it's definitely worth a read. Mm. So the text that uh, Mara Glass is just telling us about is the one uh, of many readings that she has done in developing the new contemporary dance work Let Them Be Bessie, which will which will be showing at the Phoenix Theatre in Mulugong on 24th and 25th of March as part of the March Dance Festival program. Before uh, we finish this conversation today, Mara, and thank you so much for taking time to be with us this morning, I wanted to ask you about the music that inspires you uh, in making of this work that brings these emotions that you are conveying to the stage. Yeah, I like to work with a lot of different music um, and one of the ways that I do that is I just have a playlist and whenever I come across something that feels important to me, I put it in that playlist and then when I'm making work and we're just sort of improvising or playing around with things, I'll put on these different tracks and see what, what starts to stand out to me. So the first piece of music that, that I had chosen for this work um, was a piece called Will Soon Be a Woman um, by Ibrahim Malouf. And it's this gorgeous instrumental um, piece of music that it's, oh, it's just dynamic and it flows and it feels to me a little bit sexy. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the first piece of music that I chose because I think women's sexuality and the, the power that they have from that is so interesting and get, doesn't get explored as much. I think I would like. Um, so that's where we started. And then uh, I think music, it can be so tricky to find something that, that just fits the work perfectly. So we also use um, some more instrumental pieces, something that's a bit more somber and then something that's a little bit more upbeat. Um, we're using a soundscape that's just the sound of a tap dripping for about six minutes. Um, to sort of help people sit in that uncomfortable feeling. 
Um, and then playing around with things like a fireplace crackling to draw us back to the myth of Hestia and her role as the, like, goddess of the hearth. So there's a lot of different things going on there sound-wise. And you're working with a sound composer or designer on this, or are you using the existing tracks? It's all existing, um, exist- existing tracks and then parts of it is just I, I play with it myself. I just open up GarageBand and mm-hmm. um, edit things until I'm happy with them. Do you have a music background as well? Lots of dancers do. That's why I'm asking whether this, this is also part of your palette. Uh, no, I don't. I, yeah, I just do it all myself. And uh, what about some other art forms uh, that you like working with? Is there um, another discipline or media that you incorporate in your work? Or are you really just uh, focused on on movement and and what movement can deliver? I think primarily movement, but I also have a uh, postgraduate diploma in writing and Mm. literature. So I like to use text and story as well. Um, throughout the work and whether that's a narrative or it's just a piece of text or a play on words I think that's something that um, comes through as well and is this piece uh, having some text as part of it is there a spoken word there is a little bit of spoken word yes which dancers are delivering as part of the the work Um, so I've got four beautiful dancers we've got the lovely Michaela Bartlett Uh, Alicia Johnson, Zoe Simpson, and Alina, whose last name escapes me at the very moment. Um, and they all come with their different different backgrounds, different training, and it's really lovely to see them work together and draw out the best in each other. And they speak out the text that you have mentioned? Yeah, uh, that's primarily Michaela does the speaking um, of the live text, yes. I asked my uh, previous um, guest, Bonnie Curtis, who also works a bit with the text, and uh, there was a question around how comfortable dancers are to actually perform text on stage. So Mm. in working with Michaela, uh, what are some of the ways that you make them more comfortable to project the voice? Because it's not something that we are necessarily, as dancers, uh, trained to do or feel entitled to do even. Yeah, that's absolutely true. We've been working with, so one one activity or a way that we'll try to make it um, easier for her to project is if we take it outside. So if you're working in a studio, there's certain acoustics and they're quite, it's quite echoey. You can hear yourself talk. But if you step outside and suddenly there's outside noise, there's trucks and there's machinery, you have to project over those things to still be heard um so that's something that we're playing with and then also just trying to um really engage with the diaphragm i come from a a singing background as well Mm -hmm. so learning to breathe with the diaphragm and push the words out from your center rather than from like your throat um are all things that we're playing with with michaela and she's she's doing a great job Mm. so you do have a music background as a singer yeah a little bit (laughs) okay (laughs) hiding that from us 
I wear I wear a lot of different hats. <laughs> yeah, most of the artists do. It's just part of the trade, which is good. Yeah. Why not? That just helps in many ways. Mara, thank you so much for taking time to speak to us about uh, Let Them Be Messy, uh, which is showing at Phoenix Theatre in Wollongong on 24th and 25th of March as part of March Dance Festival. And I will take us out today with one of the music tracks that Mara just mentioned. It's by Ibrahim uh, Malouf, and it's called We'll Soon Be a Woman. You're on ESA Radio 89.7 FM.